0: he said he says the obi-wan still She covered the cameras. I don't think she liked me watching her. Come on dude <laughs> what is that? Hello fellow geeks this is Jay Shear host of the Story geeks podcast and co-founder of the Reclamation Society. As a writer, storytelling is a big deal to me. I love exploring my favorite sci-fi fantasy and comic book stories really diving deep into them to expose the important themes that shape our culture. On today's Story Geeks podcast, Daryl Smith and Nathan Check join me to discuss Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. As you guys have heard me say, this is my favorite geek universe, even if I am a bit harsh about the prequels from time to time, but I love these deeper discussions about the universe George Lucas created I'm the huge Star Wars. If you love Star Wars as much as I do, make sure to subscribe to the Story Geeks podcast so you don't miss one of our upcoming shows. In the meantime, I hope you guys enjoy part one of our deep dive into Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. All right, we're back in the Star Wars series, and today's special guest is Daryl Smith. Thank you for joining us, Daryl.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And as always, Nathan Sheck is with me on the Star Wars series, which is fantastic. How are you doing, Nathan? Pretty well. The first question I have, and Daryl, we'll have you go first, and then I'll get to you, Nathan. Um, where would you rank this film amongst all the Star Wars films? Dead last. You would even rank uh, Phantom Menace higher than this. I
1: would, which I would not have before rewatching Attack of the Clones last night but after rewatching it with my wife who was watching it for the very first time ever. Oh really? Yeah, and she was sort of like riff tracking it, you know, kind of doing the mystery science theater 3000 thing, <laughs> which made it more entertaining for me. That was fun. But
0: So this one's dead last. And then what's what comes what, what is it, where does Phantom Menace rank?
1: Next up. So Phantom Menace for me is 7th, second okay. to last. Okay. I just because, you know, I watched Phantom, Manice, Phantom, Manice? <laughs> Phantom Menace not too long ago.
0: That's what all the kids are calling it these days. Yeah,
1: the Phantom Menace. I watched it not too long ago, and so I've kind of seen both of these recently. And at least Phantom Menace has Darth Maul mm. and Qui-Gon and some of these other things that weren't great, right? but are better than what's in Attack of the Clones. So for me, Attack of the Clones is... Dead last. Dead last. Okay, yeah. what about you,
2: Nathan? Uh, like I was kind of expecting, I, I think it is second to last. So I did on this rewatch like a little more than Menace. Um, And I think that's mostly because <clears throat> it's, it's more interesting. Like it, it's a lot more varied and there's a lot of stuff going on. And there are obviously still some some parts that are not good and the dialogue still isn't great, but, (laughs) (laughs) but it feels like they're a little more contained. Mm. Whereas with menace, there were certain things that were kind of throughout the entire thing, uh, that, that brought it down a little more. Um, and, and there's, yeah, it's, it's just kind of more, it felt more interesting and varied in general. Yeah. I think,
0: so my take on this is it, it is also where Nathan's is. So it's right above menace. Um, but Menace has higher highs; it just has way
1: lower lows, <laughs> primarily because there's more Jar Jar. I don't know, man. The love story in this—it's bad. That's the lowest low of the entire Star Wars franchise. It I is mean. bad. Yeah,
0: it is bad. I will admit, it is very, very bad. But um, I don't know. I do love the inclusion of Jango Fett. Um, I like some of the. I like the the end battle. I thought it was pretty cool. Better than the space battle in in Menace. So. Hmm. But but these are running neck and neck as being yeah. the worst of the series. Neck and right? neck for crap. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, so what's so then we're gonna transition right into the quality rating. So based on a scale of
1: one to ten, ten being the
0: best, Daryl, what is your quality
1: rating? It's not good. Uh oh. This is the lowest rating I've ever given something on this podcast. <laughs> but to be fair, this is the first time I've done a movie that I don't like super love. Right, right. Um I gave it a three. Ooh. I know, that's Ooh. bad. And I feel like it might have been lower, but, so let me start with the good. Um, So good, there was great digital advancement for its time. Yeah. You watch it now compared to like a Marvel film or something like that, and it looks bad. Right. But back then, it was amazing. Yes. So you have to hand it that. And then John Williams. Yeah. I mean... The only time that this movie ever gets interesting for me is directly because of John Burns. <laughs> I mean, he's just fantastic. He so the score, the music is amazing. But the bad I feel like the whole story happens through exposition. Hmm. And then there's these random action scenes kind of woven in between. Yeah. And and then there's no emotion in the delivery oh, from goodness. the actors. So yeah the fact that the story is wrapped up in the exposition, but the exposition is delivered poorly, it literally makes it hard for me to know what's going on. I have to, I have to pay such close attention. So it's really confusing. Um, and then there's all kinds of other things too. Like there's stuff that takes me out of the story, like certain dialogue, hmm. like when they use terms like swordsman and pocketbook. Oh, yeah, I'm like, yeah, stuff yeah. like that doesn't fit in Star Wars for me. right? And then the diner scene. You don't like the diners? You don't like Dex? I don't like this little droid running around mimicking like a 50s American diner. Like, this is in a galaxy far, far away a long, long time ago. Yeah, well,
2: this point. is what American diners were based on.
1: I guess, maybe. Yeah, maybe maybe I just have it backwards, that's true. Um, the biggest problem for me is that this being part of the Star Wars franchise, it nowhere near lives up to the rest of the franchise mm. for me. Right. So. Right. That's fair. I got to hit it with the three. Three? Ooh, that's brutal. Yeah. Sorry. Nathan, Nathan what did you say?
2: I said seven. Um, mm. Which, again, different. like I said, is a little better than Phantom Menace, which was six. Um, basically, for the reasons I said before, um, I think. Yeah, again, I didn't, I didn't really hate it at all. It, it's just, you know, there are certain parts that it's like, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't good. Especially the, <laughs> actually, the love story, and we can get into this later. I don't really feel is really even trying to be a love story, so I'm fine with that. But what really drove me crazy this time was all the three uh, PO humor at the end. Oh yeah. Um and it, it just when felt, his head gets swapped out yeah, with the and, battle droid. And he keeps making all these puns, and <laughs> it's not in character, and it's random and it's weird. I don't you know, even know. It's, it's almost why worse than the Jar Jar. I mean it, it is worse than the Jar Jar stuff. Because at least uh-huh. Jar Jar is supposed to be stupid. <laughs> but and you know, and the characters even know Jar Jar is stupid, and they reference that throughout the movie, the the first movie. But but yeah, this one it's like let's have let's have three PO take on the role of Jar Jar, and it it's really weird.
0: Hmm. True. Um, my rating is a four point seven five. Like, oh come <laughs> on! <laughs> I can't get to a come five. On. I can't get it to a five. It's impossible for me to get to a five. Okay, I'll, I'll be. I'll, I'll say some positive things because you guys have already talked about. A lot I really of
1: thought you ahead. were gonna go above five. Oh I kinda, really? I kind of feel like Star Wars for you guys is like what Batman is for me. Yes. It's like if you put Batman in a movie, I'm automatically up to at least a 5.
0: But this is like the killing joke.
2: <laughs> you know what I
1: mean? <laughs> fair enough.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. So I would say, here's what I would say, I, 4.75 and it's because I do like it. I do enjoy it. I love the um, the seismic charges in the battle with Slave One and Obi-Wan's ship are amazing. That sound design is just fantastic. Um, I like the end battle on this one. I think it's superior to the Phantom Menace. Um, I think the Anakin Obi Wan versus Dooku battle is cool. We'll get we'll talk about the Yoda battle later. Um, so I don't know. I think that there was some cool design. I'm not it, like I said. I rated the last one a four. This was a four point seven five. I like it a little bit better, but that's about all I can say. <laughs> Um, so story depth, what's your story depth rating on a scale of 1 to 10? Ten? 10 being the deepest, we'll start with Nathan.
2: I went with a 6 on this one also. Uh, yeah, it's it's not super deep. They do consistently go into kind of Anakin's issues with wanting to control things. And yeah, not, not a whole lot else.
0: <laughs> right. What about you, Daryl? What do you think?
1: I went 4. Okay. Um and that's that feels generous to me because when I'm doing that, I'm really looking through the movie mm. at the story that I think maybe they started with before they started shooting, you know. <laughs> and I'm looking at the idea of Anakin sort of, you know, developing into Vader and drifting towards the dark side, and Obi-Wan's role in that, and Padme's role in that. And as an idea, I think it's really cool. Right. But the execution is so bad that I just can't go any higher than that. And again, it's the music that makes the most interesting moments in the movie for Mm, me. So yeah.
0: Yeah, so for me, story depth, the ironic thing is I think Lucas is trying to be like uber deep. <laughs> like I think that's his intention is like, oh, this is going to be political intrigue. The problem is that he just doesn't he just doesn't he's not able to get there. Like we were watching Anakin go through some like really bad emotional trauma. And so we talked about so the upcoming um, you probably have heard if you've been listening to these podcasts, you probably heard our Guardians of the Galaxy podcast. And on the Guardians of the Galaxy podcast, that's someone who loses their mother. And there's like this, this sequence of events that you know, characters dealing with loss and then contrast that with this. That was powerful. This is like, what in the world? Like he's barely responds to it. One of the things I found really striking is that Anakin, um, when he first meets Obi-Wan again, this is like a day after his mom's died, right? A day after his mom died, he shows up and granted, I don't think Obi-Wan maybe knows that yet. But Obi Wan's response is like to make fun of Anakin. The
2: first thing he does when he sees him, <laughs> and Let's,
0: it's just like that's basically man. what
2: he spends the entire movie doing. So <laughs> I know it's very in character. Although he is he is a pretty big jerk in this whole film.
0: He totally is. So I, I'm gonna say story depth is probably oh man, it's probably in the four and a half range. Um, I just think that. They just didn't go very deep with it. So, and I think he, the problem is, I think he intended to, which is what bums me out a little bit. Um, all right, so let's go with likelihood
1: to refer. And Daryl, we will start with you. Okay, here's the thing I, I went completely neutral on this, and I'm just going to go with five. Mm. And the reason for that is if, if somebody is going to come to me and say, hey, I need a good sci fi movie, what movie should I watch? There's over a hundred films I would direct them to before (laughs) this one, (laughs) but if somebody comes to me and says, hey, I love Star Wars, I haven't seen this movie, should I see this movie? I'm like, well, yeah, you probably should, and I'm not going to say any more than that because I don't want my bias to affect your enjoyment of the Star Wars franchise, you know? And there's this whole, there seems to be this whole divide between those of us who are old enough to have seen the original trilogy first, yeah. And then get the prequels versus the people that saw the prequels first and typically think, "Oh, they're pretty good." Right. And then they get to the other movies and they're like, "Oh, these are really good," yeah. you know? Right, right, right. So I don't want to ruin that for anybody. Sure. So so 5. What about you neutral?
2: Uh, an 8. Basically just it is Star Wars, so I probably <laughs> refer it. <in. laughs>
0: yeah it's almost like you have to give two different ratings like if someone's super interested in Star Wars and wants to watch Star Wars then it's like oh well, yeah you have to watch it I mean there's, uh, I would say like a Star Wars fan is like a 10 like you have to watch it even if you don't like it you have to still have to go through the process of, of knowing where these characters came from Yeah. but if you're not a Star Wars fan I would, I would definitely well here's the quintessential qu- question is which one do you tell someone who's never seen Star Wars to start with yeah. Do you have them start with four or do you have them start with one? Yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that.
1: I have a preference for that. I don't know that it's the answer, but I know what I would say. What would you say? I would say you watch them in release order. In release order. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I feel like there's something to the evolution of the franchise that affects the story mm. as it went along. Yeah. So yes, you're gonna have a dip when you get to the prequels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I feel like and again I've never experienced it the other way Right. but I feel like there's just something to that there's something to watching them how they came out if you watch the original three first you get the mystery that's involved with the original three which is part of what makes them good Yep. and then you have a little more context for the prequels and then you've waited so long to get to The Force Awakens in Rogue One and I feel like they totally pay off and they're worth it So.
0: that's true that's true um I can I can get behind that. I think the only advantage of watching them in uh chronological order, so to speak, at to, to the actual time period of the movies is that you do get that okay, well I watched the prequels and they're okay. And then you keep ramping up. Yeah. So there is that to be said, but um I don't know. I don't know. If anybody out there has not seen Star Wars and you go through it You'll have to let us know what you think if you go through it, like, episode one through the rest of them, or if you start in episode four and then go through, like Daryl said, in chronological release order. Not, not chronological to the movie, but chronological to the way that they came out in the theaters. Star Wars fans, we are giving away two very special Star Wars prizes to Reclamation Society email subscribers. If you subscribe to the Reclamation Society's email updates, you are entered to win The Art of Rogue One but thanks to a special donation from Daryl Smith who is also one of the other hosts of the Story Geeks podcast we have a second prize a never before watched copy of The Phantom Menace on VHS that means we have two super cool collector's items and all you have to do is subscribe to our email updates which by the way you should do anyways so go visit www.reclamationsociety.org and you can enter to win The link is in the show notes, so go subscribe now! Okay, so this is our spoiler warning. We are going to spoil this movie, so these are going to be deep questions. You've been warned. If you haven't seen the movie and you want to see it and you don't want to be spoiled, don't keep listening. Uh, Question one is, as the attack of the clones begins, we're right back in the midst of this political upheaval the Phantom Menace ended with the Trade Federation being defeated, and now there's now it says in the crawl that thousands of solar systems are leaving the Republic. So what in your mind is causing these smaller governments to leave the Republic? And so if, if you say, what is causing it? And then also on top of that, um, do you think that that's fair for them to be leaving the Republic? Should they be leaving the Republic? And we'll start with you, Nathan.
2: Yeah, it's not super clear, but... I guess what we can gather from Dooku later is basically he just says that the Republic is corrupt and he tells Obi-Wan that it is being controlled by a Sith and I don't I don't know if that's something he would have told kind of the general populace uh, as you know as part of the pitch for the for the separatists Um, but at least the you know the corruption of the Republic has to be a large part Um, you know, and, and we've pointed out multiple times how that is basically true. So, you know, in theory, maybe that's, that's fine that they're leaving the Republic. You know, if, if that was all there was to it, of course, the problem is that the only reason that's happening is because it's the Sith manipulating them into doing it so that they can fight and destroy each other. So, (laughs) you know, it's, it doesn't have the greatest of intentions.
0: Right. What do you think, Daryl? Anything to add to that?
2: No, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, I... uh,
1: It's definitely corrupt, and I think people can probably sense that, even if they don't know what's behind it. Mm -hmm. And so there's just some sort of instability there. Whether or not they should... I mean, I think there's something to be said for believing the best about your government and kind of standing by it, Mm -hmm. but... Not if it's being controlled by an evil Sith Lord, (laughs) which we know in this case it is. Right. So, yeah. What do you think?
0: Well, okay, so here's my thing. The thing that shocked me, and the reason why I included this question, is because it says thousands of solar systems. Like... (laughs) Where does it say that? It's a lot of solar systems. It says it in The Crawl. Oh, in The Crawl. And, And it just struck me as like, First of all, I don't think many of them know that there's a Sith uh, controlling the, trying, trying to control the Republic or the Senate. Um, obviously, that there's some political problems that are happening. But if you just take Naboo as like the one instance of a political problem, that's got to be like a yearly occurrence in a Republic that big. I mean, you've, we've seen the chamber where they're all where the Senate meets. There's like a there's like a thousand people from different planets in there, including ET, <laughs> including ET. Yeah. So I think it's like. It's a question that um, I think is getting at, well, we need to have lots and lots of people to be able to battle this other group of large people. But the problem is, is that as we see people leaving the Republic, that means that they're going to be separatists. And the separatists, I mean, they're not being led by anybody who's any better, right? So the only thing I can see is that somehow the Republic is not being fair to these solar systems, but we don't really get any background into why the Republic's not being fair to those solar systems. And the only thing that I know is that the Trade Federation is the one that seemed to be being unfair to Naboo. So if anything, you'd think that all these systems would wanna stay in the Republic so that they could fight off unfair people like the Trade Federation. So that part of it doesn't really make sense to me, and therefore, it seems like a little bit more of an excuse to cause a really big battle than it does anything else. And that's not me hating on this, but it just seems like a convenient excuse for this to happen. Um, any thoughts on that?
2: Well, you know, you are literally exactly correct also, right? It is just an excuse to have a battle. <laughs> um, and, you know, as or an attack. The... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah. Um, so this is this is a this is a brutal question, <laughs> but but I'm gonna ask it anyways. How do you feel about the love story between Anakin and Amidala? And we'll start with Daryl.
1: I love it. <laughs> no, I do not love it. Uh... I think it's terrible. I'm I'm Nathan. I'm curious to see what you mean when you say you don't think it's really a love story. But let me bash it a little bit before you do. That. <laughs> Um, I mean, first of all, in the good, I can appreciate the idea that, you know, the desire for love and the desire for attachment and a different kind of relationship would be something alluring to Anakin or to any other Jedi. And I can understand how that would be something that would twist them and make them care more about that than they do about the Jedi ideals and what they're striving to be but it's just so bad and I mean acting aside I I understand what Anakin's doing Anakin's crazy Anakin is obsessed Anakin is self-important we'll talk more about that later but I don't get why Padme would have any interest in him whatsoever (laughs) there's nothing attractive about him he's creepy everything he says is creepy He's narcissistic, he's self-entitled, he's a whiny. Like, I don't understand why anybody, especially somebody who has the wisdom to become a queen and a senator, would have any interest in him. So, I just don't get that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nathan, what would you say?
2: Hmm. I think the reason I would say it's not... Really, a love story is more that, like Daryl was saying, it doesn't, it doesn't really give us any reason why they're so infatuated with each other, um, and it feels like it isn't trying to. So that's why I'm, I guess I'm able to let it slide a little bit because it's not like oh, Anakin did this. And that's, you know, what, what caused Padme to change her mind about him or something, right? We, right. we don't get that at all. It's basically <laughs> by the time they head off for Naboo, like Anakin's getting super creepy about, <laughs> you know, like, like randomly touching her back and all that kind of stuff. But by that point, she's fine with it, which means, <laughs> which means she already has another reason for liking him which also means that basically all the scenes with them together, like they already are are they're past that point. They're already basically infatuated with each other, which is fine um, because it seems more like this is basically showing how maybe they don't have the healthiest of relationships, um, but it's not trying to explain it. It's just saying here it is and, and Anakin's super awkward and doesn't really know how to talk to people he likes. <laughs> but But the fact is still there that there's already something between them. We just don't know really why, but that's not the point, I guess, is, is what I would say.
0: Yeah. So I'm gonna do this because I took all <laughs> these notes. I'm
1: just gonna read to you verbatim some of the lines from this movie. Oh yes. Can you read them as as flatly as they do in the movie? <laughs> well, here's okay. So here's the first thought he has. Annie, you've grown. <laughs> Sorry. Here's the
0: first thought that Anakin has after, um, after meeting Amidala. He literally says, he's talking to Obi-Wan. I've thought about her every day since we parted, and she's forgotten me completely. This is ten years. The kid was like, what, seven years old? Like, I don't even remember anybody that I knew when I was seven years old. That is such a strong thing to say. And... uh he, said, he says to Obi-Wan still, she covered the cameras. I don't think she liked me watching her.
2: Come on, dude.
0: <laughs> what is that? And then he's then talking about his dreams because he's having dreams of his mother dying. He says, I'd rather be dreaming of Padme. Just being around her is intoxicating. And then Padme says, please don't look at me like that. He's like, why not? And she says, it makes me feel uncomfortable. It is so
1: bad. It's just one of those things where you're like... I really hope that George Lucas doesn't think this is okay. Jamie, oh. When we were watching it, Jamie said that it reminded her, like, Anakin is like the creepy dude on Match.com that you block, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. it It is really uncomfortable.
0: It is really, really uncomfortable. But suffice it to say, I, I think Nathan's right. It doesn't really have, it doesn't really give you any rationale or reasoning for why it's even happening. It's just, it's just there and you're being told that it's, acceptable so it's very strange but we'll move on because we can go on in that for a long long time (laughs) um so when you guys look at the world of star wars at large um but most especially you know the attack of the clones and the love story between anakin and amidala there's this issue of jedi and relationships and what relationships are a jedi allowed to have so given your analysis on what's allowed and what isn't allowed what are your thoughts on those rules and if they match what the force is indicating um should the what what rules should the force even even have associated with it what about what do you think about that nathan
2: it feels like there is definitely a rule against attachments um and anakin brings that up and it kind of makes sense why that would exist right i mean especially if you're basically this kind of a monk off being a guardian of peace and justice, um, obviously they they don't want you being distracted by anything or having anything that maybe has a hold over you. And obviously that would that would relate to, you know, marriage and all of that kind of thing. But as Anakin points out when when Padme says, like, I thought you weren't allowed to love, He's like, well, we're supposed to care about people, which is basically what that is. So, you know, so that should be fine, Um, which obviously it isn't because then you also have an attachment, but Hmm. it, it feels like those are kind of separate because again, if, if you are supposed to be helping people in need, you, you do have to care about them. Um, so, it does seem to be more of the specific attachment issue. You know, plus every single superhero movie, you know, it, it's always the superhero's friends or family that, you know, that get used as leverage against him. So, that maybe they're smart about that.
1: Okay. What do you think, Darrell? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> they definitely have the monk like thing going on. And I think Anakin actually says attachment is forbidden, right? Yeah. And, um,. And I get that. I mean, I'm still, even after eight movies, I'm still sort of unclear on exactly what the Jedi are meant to be. Mm. Are they meant to be protectors? Are they meant to be warriors? Are they meant to be some sort of police presence? You yes. Know? Uh, yes. It's kind blood. of confusing. <laughs> and <laughs> um, so in that sense, I'm not quite sure what the rules should be, but it makes sense to me that just based on the devotion that they're supposed to have to the force and to their ideals it makes sense that attachment would be forbidden and i think when anakin talks about you know they're supposed to have compassion which to him is love and so we're encouraged to love i think he's just rationalizing i think he's just trying to turn it to make it okay for him to go after padme um and yeah you're right nathan there's the whole thing where Loved ones are a a vulnerability for superheroes. But I also think you see in a lot of superhero stories, which I feel like could be true for the Jedi too, it's hard to devote yourself to protecting people and keeping people safe if you have no connection to those people whatsoever. Mm. Which I feel like is something you see like in Superman stories, you know, like... Yes, Superman has vulnerabilities with Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen, stuff like that, but those are also the people where his connections are that sort of keep him caring about humanity and make it matter to him. So, yeah. I don't know what definitive answer I'm giving. <laughs> maybe none, but...
2: <laughs> well, yeah, and you, you even see, you know, by the time we get to Luke, he he definitely cares about a lot of people. Yeah. And so even if technically the jedi forbid that for very specific reasons it doesn't necessarily mean like that's the correct way to do the force uh because again luke isn't necessarily part of the jedi order and he's just a guy and but you know basically his love of his friends and and then eventually his father is you know kind of what saves the galaxy so even if even if that might be the rule, I don't think it's like George Lucas is saying, yeah you you must be a monk and you should not care about anyone it, yeah it's probably the opposite actually, um, since we see in other places where it appears that you know the jedi maybe maybe have the good intentions but are maybe going about things a little a little bit in the wrong way. Hmm.
1: Are there any other jedi I mean, I don't think there are in the movies, but in any other of the canon that you guys know of. Are there any other Jedi that have had romantic involvement?
0: Well, non-canon because it's it's not canon anymore. Luke was Luke had romantic attachments. Okay. Later.
1: All right. Right. Uh, he got married. Yeah, he
0: did. He okay. Did. Yeah, he did. Uh, but again, but that's not canon anymore.
1: Not canon. No. Um, I think gonna... we're gonna find out about one in the future. I think we might. Yeah. Two words, Rey Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe.
0: So my take on this particular question is, I, I agree basically with what you guys are saying. I think if we apply the same thought to our own world, I think here's where it, do, here's where it doesn't make sense to me and here's where it does make sense to me. Um, it does make sense to me that if, so like even even in the, even in the Bible, it says like, if you don't have other attachments or if God is your first attachment, right? Than the needs of your wife or your kids. You don't have to spend as much time on those things, and you can spend time just doing the things that God would have you do. But obviously, the more people who you uh, are taking care of, the more you're going to have to take care of them um, and focus on them. And, and that's not a bad thing, and the Bible doesn't express that as a bad thing. Um, but it does distract you from maybe doing some other things that you could have done. Um, in in another case. So with this specifically, as I look at like things like, you know, the rule about priests in the Catholic church can't have relationships. um, I think that that is inherently going to mean that a lot of people, if not most people, could not be priests, right? Because we have a human attachment, need for attachment of that kind of um, love. Even if that love is sexual love, we have a need of it, right? The weird part is when, for me, when you look at the Jedi, they're not supposed to have attachments like a relationship that is, in other words, okay, I'm trying to defend Anakin a little bit here because it does feel like it's, it's to say like to remove yourself completely from all attachments then makes you separate in a way that I don't think is loving.
1: Yeah, but we don't know that the Force is about love right
0: yeah and i think that's that's the problem like um there's actually a uh i'm gonna get this really wrong i believe it's hindu uh, there's a hindu proverb where this guy is trying to teach his wife not to have attachments and she because she's so jealous of him and it's not until she walks in on him having an affair and then feels no emotions about it, That she and that's when she's achieved enlightenment basically, right? That she's not attached to him in such a way that she feels negative about it. And, and I'm not gonna criticize anyone else's worldview, but from my worldview, well, that's not natural. That's not, that's not like, that's, that's a loving relationship that someone has said like, no, I don't love you enough and I'm gonna do this other thing. Um, man, that is really, really destructive yeah. to relationships and it's not loving so I think he could be taking this down more of an uh, eastern mysticism type of thing with Jedi with the Jedi and with and we talked about balance a lot last time um, but I don't think that that makes sense to me I would rather see a world where we all love each other more Yeah, and if we all love each other more we should be able to say not loving one person at the expense of another but actually just trying to say like what is the most loving thing I don't know that's my thought on it. Um, I hope that we see that. I think we saw that in the canon, or sorry, in the non-canon Legends with Luke getting married and things like that. But I guess we'll see what happens in the future. Um, all right. So Dex, the character in the diner that Obi-Wan visits, um,
1: that Daryl loved that oh, diner. the diner. <laughs> I kind of like Dex, though. He has a cool <clears throat> voice. I'm fine with him as a character. Yeah, no
0: cloners. Um... In this diner, uh, we learn more about the dart that kills Amidala's would-be assassin. And Dex says, you'd think the Jedi would know the difference between knowledge and wisdom. So the first question is, how would you define the difference between knowledge and wisdom? And then which one is more important? And we'll start with Daryl.
1: Um, Yeah, as I was trying to answer this question, I have an answer for it in my head. Hmm. Or I guess maybe in my heart. And I couldn't... Verbalize it. I couldn't find a way to write it out, so I Googled it <laughs> to try and, <laughs> to try and get some help with wording it. And the first thing I saw worded it perfectly for me. Okay. So I'm just gonna read what I found. Do it. And this is from a website that I know nothing about, so free plug here for whoever runs this website. But <laughs> it's a website called PhilosciFi.com. So it's like mashing up philosophy and sci-fi. No, oh, um, they want to be on the show. So it looks like an interesting website, but so they gave a definition for it. They say knowledge is the accumulation of facts and information, but wisdom is the synthesis of knowledge and experiences into insights that deepen one's understanding of relationships and the meaning of life. In other words, knowledge is a tool and wisdom is the craft in which the tool is used. Interesting. So I felt like that was a really good definition. All I would have been able to come up with is, well, wisdom is bigger than knowledge, <laughs> you know? But I think wisdom really gets at your core and who you are as a person, not so much just what you know. Mm. So what's more important? I don't know if it's so much more that one is more important than the other, but I think knowledge is a piece of ultimately attaining wisdom. Ah, That's how I would word it. I like that. Um, I saw this video uh,
0: just yesterday, actually. So I I come up with these questions, and I hadn't even seen this video yet. But it was uh, this really amazing video where um, people... Uh, with Down syndrome were being asked questions that, and it's called, the the video series was called something like questions you're not supposed to ask or something like that, right? Hmm. And I didn't watch any of the other videos. I don't even know if it's a good website at all. I don't have any context into that whatsoever. I saw this thing on Facebook. But they're posing questions um, to these individuals that have Down syndrome. And the wisdom that came from these people was amazing. I mean, this one guy, this one guy is what 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 we would call uh, morbidly obese. He is uh, cross-eyed, and there's there is the world would tell us that all of that stuff is just awful, right? And this guy says, um, and they're asking about love, and this guy says, you know what? You really need to love yourself. And if you love yourself enough, you can love everybody else. And he's like, I love myself, and, I, and I'm just so glad that I'm alive and I'm able to love other people. And I'm, I'm just sitting here and I'm like, you could look <laughs> up all this knowledge. Like, you could go to Google and find all this stuff. You could be the smartest person on the face of the earth. And I work with a lot of startups. And so, all these people generally are very, very, very intelligent and they have lots and lots of knowledge. But wisdom, the application of how to live your life better, I just think about that like, we don't need self-driving cars, we don't need internet, that's all knowledge. People who have wisdom are so much more valuable than people that just have knowledge. Yeah. And I think it's becoming more and more apparent as knowledge becomes so easy for us to get our hands on. But you look around you and ask how many people are wise? I don't know man, there's
1: not a lot of people that I sit around
0: and go like, that person's just super wise. Yeah,
1: I was, I was visiting a, a church once um and the guy the pastor was talking about people that are in suffering mm. and how you treat people that are in suffering and it feels like this is a good illustration like so say somebody just lost their spouse just lost their father just lost somebody very important to them if you have knowledge then you can sit down with that person and hit them with quotes hit them with scripture yep. give them all these words and just talk 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 wisdom in that situation would be quiet Mm -hmm. and just sit there and be present yep you know and i loved what he was teaching because he basically said he was giving all of these references and all of this ammo for when people are going through this stuff Mm. and then he said and now that you have this now that i've given it to you when the time comes keep it to yourself (laughs) and wait until the right time to bring it in you know yeah wisdom is just a completely different deal i think
0: you know this this quote is just thrown in to this movie like if this if this movie were an exploration of this topic talk about story depth yeah but it's just a quote thrown out by a guy who doesn't even really matter that much to the story whatsoever Hey guys, pardon my brief interruption here, but do you need a new pair of headphones? If you do, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Urban Vinyl. They make premium wood headphones that look amazing. But here's the thing, they're made by audiophiles for audiophiles, so they sound as good as they look. In fact, reviewers have called their headphones the best headphones on the market, better even than Bose and Beats. And you know what? I agree. They're what I use when I record this podcast. Please consider purchasing a pair using the link in the show notes. If you click the link to their website and use the promo code J, my name, my first name, J-A-Y, super simple. You save 15% and Urban Vinyl will make a donation to the Reclamation Society. So if you need headphones or you're looking to upgrade the pair that you currently have, definitely take a look at what Urban Vinyl has to offer. Click the link in the show notes to visit their website and use my name, J-A-Y, to get the 15% discount. Thanks for letting me interrupt. Now, let's get back to the show. This movie introduces the concept of cloning. So it does sound like cloning has maybe been around in the galaxy for a while, but specifically it's more apparent here. First thought is, what do you think of cloning? Um, Is cloning acceptable in the Star Wars universe? And then what about in our own world? And then we'll start with Nathan.
2: I think it seems that everyone seems to be pretty fine with it and it's just kind of matter of fact, even if it's not quite the normal thing. Um, the, the Kaminoans definitely seem to treat the clones like a product, um, possibly like droids almost. So maybe that's not so great for them, but we definitely see later, especially in the, the Clone Wars series, that the jedi and well the jedi at least if not a lot of the republic do do treat the clones like basically normal people um no matter how they were created Mm. and so it it feels like really the main the main problem that that could come from cloning is is more of how you treat them because of it um but in general they again aside from the cloners which they have an interesting relationship with them just because i don't know how they could not since they created them but hmm. but everyone else seems to treat them pretty well and you know they're just they are soldiers so they treat them like soldiers but it doesn't really seem to be any different
1: i mean i agree about the movie it seems perfectly fine like nobody seems to be bothered by it it seems to be a convenient way to get an army, <laughs> you know. Um, I think if you look at it in the real world, if you look at the concept of cloning a whole human person, yeah. then I think I would fall into the camp of saying that that's wrong. Mm. Um, you know, to get a little Doctor Strange-ish, it's violating the natural law. Mm-hmm. or But it's unnatural, and I think... Um, you know, if you're talking about cloning organs, like if we can clone a human heart or something like that, then that's awesome. You know, if there's medical advancements that can be made through, through this technology and I don't know about animals, you know, cloning sheep, whatever. I don't know about that. (laughs) But if you're talking about cloning a human being, to my belief would be that a human being is not just a body, you mm-hmm. know. There's a soul and there's a spirit and we can't clone that. It's God's place to create that. That be, that'd be my take. All right. I would say so um, one thing
0: about the movie that I hadn't heard before that I came across this time which made me far more negative about the clone army and kind of surprised that the republic put up with it was that um, the reason because I, I was thinking to myself, like, well, why is Boba an unaltered, <laughs> like, why is he um, an unaltered clone? Like, what does that mean? Right? Like, because they all look like the dude. Like, what did they not alter? Like, yeah. Um, or what did they alter, I should say? And, uh, and they, he actually says it. He says, well, we, we made them so that they'll take any order we give them. Hmm. He says, like, they're soldiers. Like, they, you give them an order, they will take it. So, so basically, like, like Nathan was saying, they become very much droid-like. Um they are cloned with some genetic predisposition to do whatever the authorities tell them to do. Mm-hmm. So in that regard, you know, I think cloning is completely unacceptable. like you can't just you can't just make a human being. I mean, you're, the, the think of the, the concept is basically you're making slaves. Yeah, you're basically cloning slaves. Um, and so the, from that standpoint, it's pretty reprehensible. I think in our world, I don't think we're gonna see, you know, cloning was like a thing that people talked about like, let's say ten years ago as a yeah. big deal. But I think with advances in genetic manipulation, you're actually never looking for a clone anymore. Because you don't want Jay, you want better than Jay. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so you're gonna you're gonna take whatever whatever you liked about Jay, whatever you like about Daryl, and you take Daryl's genes, you take Jay's genes, and you mess with them all and you make create something that's that's superior genetically. Great, Gerald. <laughs> Sorry, I'm <was> yeah, stupid. <laughs> no, that's worse. Um, and I think that, uh, I think that, that that's a bummer, and it also takes away, now I, I understand like there's some genetic diseases, there's some genetic issues that people have, that it would be great if we could remove from, um, remove from our, our gene pool. But at the same time, there's, there's so much to be said for diversity, <clears throat> right? Like, why do we want like genetically modified humans that uh, we take down a certain path? I just think that that's kind of negative. So, whether it's cloning or whether it's genetic manipulation, I just think that it's not something that we need to do. It's why do that, right? Not mm-hmm. not not to over not <clears throat> to over speak the point, but watching that video with the people with Down syndrome, um, you know, those were beautiful human beings with so many like powerful things to say um and are we supposed to think any less of them like no we can't think of any less of them that's crazy yeah and so i just think that the, you get into really um dangerous territory if you start to you know now granted now granted if you said like hey we've got this uh special gene therapy and you don't have to be bald anymore jay I'd be like, <laughs> all right where, where do i sign up um you know, so I, I don't know. It's, it, there's a lot of temptation involved there. And I think it'd be better if we tried to avoid that temptation. Um, but all that aside, we can move on into question six, which is... Um, should the Republic have approved specifically the use of these clones as troops? Why or why not? And
1: uh, if not, what do you think they should have done with all the clones? Um... I honestly don't know. I so I'm even confused. So why the Republic are the ones that wanted the clones, right? I'm so confused yeah. on that point. Like, yeah, who yeah. ordered the clones to begin with? So
0: basically, um, Sifo-Dyas, outside the will of the Jedi Council, he had the foresight. He could see things in the future. So he said, "Oh, we're going to have a big war on our hands in the future." With these Separatists. But we were not going to be prepared for it unless we have an army. Well, what's superior to droids? Clones. And so Jedi Master Sifo-Dyas went
1: to Camino to secretly <laughs> get the clone army built. Yeah, I just, I don't get that at all from watching the movie. It's just so confusing. <laughs> it's right. just like this totally random thing that comes out of nowhere. And I'm... Which makes the rest of the movie very confusing to me. Which we'll talk about more as we go on. Right. So, I my my answer to this question is I honestly don't know. <laughs> I can't give you any more than that. I, I
0: like that answer. What do you think, Nathan?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it, it's like, what else are they going to do with them? I guess, right? <laughs> they they're already created. So, you know, I guess you could just slingshot the ball into the sun or something, but <laughs> Superman 4 style, right, yeah. but, um,
1: all right, guys, board the
0: slingshot, oh, we'll be, we we'll whatever order you say, boss, yeah. <laughs> yikes, yeah, I think, uh, it's interesting because, you know, the Kaminoans, they don't seem to have any qualms building the army at all, right, it's like, hey, like, check out this awesome army we built for you, um, It does feel to me, though, like the Republic should have at least some, now I get it, right? It's like, are we going to be taken over by the separatists? And is the the Republic going to just completely fall apart if we don't use the clones? And that would be a difficult decision to make. Like, do you use the atom bomb or do you not use the atom bomb, right? Like, both, both results of either using it or not using it are pretty awful. Um, so I think I'm the third I don't know this question. because while I'm opposed to the clone <clears throat> troops at the same time I'm like yeah but they're already there like Nathan said they're already there what are you going to use them for uh, I mean we could all we could have a bunch of diner workers that aren't <laughs> robots
1: <laughs> but um, yeah I don't know man I think that's the real answer to the question is just write a better story <laughs> and give me a better reason for the clones to exist
0: yeah that's true if there was a better reason for the clones
1: to exist I could see that I
2: I think another way to answer it is like. Of course, the Republic was going to use him because that was part of Sidious's plan. Um, right, and it all, I think it also came up somewhere that like the Republic didn't really have a standing army, and the Separatists are the ones who had, like all the battle droids and oh, yeah. all of that already. So it was basically down to, well, it's like, well, if we have a war on our hands, we basically need something. Um, yeah. but again, you know, it's, it's the chancellor who's making these decisions. So he's going to do what he wants. Cause that was the plan all along. So it, it doesn't really even matter, you know, whether, whether this would have been the course court, best course of action or not. Um, because it, you know, it's his course of action.
0: And that is a great point because Probably the better question to be asked here is, did Sidious plant the idea in cipher Diaz's mind with a fake force vision that he should build the army? And the answer is probably yes. Right, Um,
2: because we know he was involved somehow because we have the Order 66 thing that's already programmed into them.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, so now we're just going to get to a very not philosophical question. (laughs) (laughs) I love this question. We're going to start with Nathan. Who's cooler, Jango Fett or Boba Fett and why?
2: Boba has green armor, so (laughs) I have to go with that.
1: (laughs) Fair enough. That's fair enough. What do you think, Daryl? Boba because... Okay, Boba in the original trilogy. Yes. Because he had mystery. Right. He was a mysterious bounty hunter. That's all I need. Yeah. I don't need backstory. He's a cool character because he has no backstory, like the Joker in the Dark Knight. I don't want to know any more than that. Right.
0: Yeah, I, I actually I'm gonna go with Boba Fett as well, because Boba Fett is one of my top three favorite characters in Star Wars. And it is because of mystery. Now, there have been numerous arguments made, and I think that they're all fair, that Boba basically does nothing really that cool in <laughs> the entire series. Except look cool. He looks cool, he looks amazing. Um and Django Fett like like Nathan says is you know he's got the purplish blue armor
1: which is kind of like why would you wear that dude I'm not sure it's like shinier and stuff too. Um, well I did... it is sort of the same color palette as the rest of what the Kaminoans have going on.
0: That's true. That's true. It's, yeah, it's like here, <laughs> have this bright colored armor. Yeah. Um, I mean Django definitely showcases more skill than Boba does. Um in terms of on-screen what's going on, uh, they both fly the same ship, which is obviously handed down to Boba. Well, he, he keeps it, obviously. Um, but that ship is amazing. One of my favorite ships in Star Wars, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm going to go with Boba as well. I had you? the
1: toy of that ship when I was a did kid. Did you really? Yeah.
0: Oh, man, now I'm jealous.
1: And I know Boba may not do that much in the trilogy, but it really is kind of about how he looks, because what? I remember being a kid and watching Empire... And especially watching Jedi and the scene um, in Jabba's palace, you know, when they're trying to get Han out of the Carbonite and stuff. And just seeing Boba standing around looking foreboding as hell. And just like this scary figure. (laughs) I'm like, I just remember thinking that was so cool when I was a kid.
0: Well, and that's actually a testament to character design, right? Because literally this character does nothing cool. But you have to assume that he's a badass. Did and you? he dies in the lamest way possible yeah yeah and if you don't think he's a badass it's like the whole like a huge plot points of the movie fall apart yeah it's like oh, well how does this guy capture han solo right. but you just it's like because he looks the way he does and he has a rocket pack with a rocket on it mm-hmm. it's like yeah this guy's badass I yeah. mean, you just go straight there and yeah.
2: apparently he likes disintegrating things
0: there you go <laughs> that's right that's scary which is awesome too yeah. um in this film We see a plethora of alien species. That's just my opportunity to say the word plethora. Um, Some of them appear to be sentient, uh, even advanced. So like the Kaminoans are very advanced. I mean, the whole purpose is they're cloning people and stuff like that. Obviously, the humans are all pretty advanced. Um, Some of the species represented on the Jedi Council are pretty advanced. But then there are others that seem more like Animals. So you see the creatures that are released into the arena to kill Anakin and Padme and Obi-Wan. And then there's this whole group that falls somewhere in the middle, right? So the Geonosians, uh, the Gungans, the Tusken Raiders. The Tusken Raiders are described by several as just being barely above animals. And then the Geonosians, I mean, all of those, like, uh, I don't know, bug-looking dudes are, like, living in the wall together, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? Um, So... Where are we supposed to draw the line between sentient creatures and non-sentient beings? And then how should the characters respond in
1: relationship to this? And we'll start with you, Daryl. This is an interesting one for me. I think this is one area that I think the prequel trilogy actually does well. Because I don't get the sense that there is one standard Mm. for that. You know, there's all these different planets. There's all these different solar systems. And as I started watching this movie, I'm like, are the are the quote-unquote human characters, are they even human? Like, mm. this is in a galaxy far, far away. So Earth is not present. And human is the word we use on Earth to describe ourselves. Right. So are these characters even human? But then Padme does say human at one point mm. in the movie. Um, so... <laughs> I think that that's a hard question to answer because I feel like we see enough of the fact that there's so many different worlds and so many different standards and each world is going to sort of come with its own sense of the sanctity of life or morality, if there even is one, you know. So I could kind of answer that question based on our life and the real earth and stuff like that, you know. and. I mean, it's pretty clear that humans are above all the other animals. I think that's even biblical. (laughs) Um, But uh, I feel like in the Star Wars world, there's no clear answer to that. And that's actually something that I like. I feel Mm. like that's a good piece of world building. Yeah, that's cool. What do
0: you think, Nathan?
2: Yeah, and I think George even goes out of his way to show that you know, quote, unquote, more primitive life forms are still, are maybe not as primitive as you might think. Uh, you know, for example, the, the Ewoks, of course, um, and even in Phantom Menace, you even have the Gungans kind of call out Amidala and they're like, Hey, you think you're better than us? Um, and she's like, no, 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 we don't think that, but obviously they must you know there's got to be something going on there um for them to think that, but then of course, as usual you know they they basically are the ones to help uh fight off the army so yeah it's right. it, it's interesting, so it it does seem to do a a pretty good job
0: yeah, I think what's interesting to me is that in a Phantom Menace, you actually had um uh, Obi-Wan criticizing, uh, I believe it was Jar Jar, and basically saying, like, this guy's a complete idiot. What kind of life form is this? Um, and then in this one, you see um, Anakin doing the same thing. He does it to the Tusken Raiders this time around. He, there's something, there's some line in there that we, he calls them, um, they're like animals or something. And he's, obviously, he's
1: upset. So maybe that's right. just him speaking out of being upset. Um, but, I think that's one of the, one of the few deeper character moments in the movie too, where he's actually illustrating, he's like, he's basically saying, "Hey, I think I'm really evil," right, <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: So I do think that there is there's some tension that's built in. So like Daryl, you're saying like it's like sort of this tension that like is un, it's unresolved, which I I also agree is cool. The interesting thing about it, though, is that it's always coming from the beings who consider themselves superior. So I actually like what you said, Nathan, about the call out that they made, the Gungans made, to the people of Naboo. Because it's kind of like, and even going back to knowledge and wisdom, like if if people in America who have very sophisticated technology were to go to somewhere where they don't have sophisticated technology, We can't just assume that we're all of a sudden better people. They're probably wiser than we are, right? So it is interesting that that's a through line of the films. And I like that it's a through line of the films. um, And it would be really fascinating to see them explore it in greater depth. But I'll transition into this question um, because it's related. What is your favorite alien species that appears in Attack of the Clones? Because there's a ton of them. And I'll ask Nathan first.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I've never... I've never really been super into favorite aliens. Um, I know I've always liked the Authorians, but I don't know if they show up in Attack of the Clones. Um, I think they showed up a little bit in Phantom Menace in the Senate. Uh, Same with the ET aliens, who, who by the way, now that we got to look at kind of how the Geonosians design their ships, I think I think that's probably where ET bought his from. That's a good point. It has that same sphere sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I I really don't have a good answer for it.
1: (laughs) Okay. What do you think, Daryl? I was gonna go with ET, but I feel like that's a bit of a cop out answer. So I will pick a real answer. I'm actually gonna say the Tusken Raiders. Ooh. Um, just purely from a nostalgic standpoint, like. I remember watching A New Hope and the first time you see one of them and he stands up and he's holding the spear up and he's like screaming, you know, and I'm yeah. like, that's a big movie moment in my history. So purely for nostalgia. I like that Tusken Raiders, And also because they're not computer generated. Yeah. I feel like there's so much computer generated alien stuff going on in this movie that you just, there's some of them that even like, well, we'll talk about this later, I guess. But that part of the movie where you're in like Count Dooku's chamber or whatever, and he's got those aliens that are with him. Yeah. One of them looks like it's just somebody screwed up the the file when they were creating this alien. It just looks like it's stretched too far. Like it looks terrible. And I'm like, I just, I guess, so yeah, because the Tuscan Raiders are people in costumes. I kind of, I like that too. I just heard, I think I heard it on the,
0: I want to say I heard it on the Blast Points podcast, but it could have been Skywalking Through Neverland or something. But there was a, um, the battle droids, when they built the, um, the framework in the computer, um, somebody had gotten the uh, position of their lower back incorrect, mm-hmm. so it put their hips like backwards and up, but, so they were supposed to look more humanoid in their in their walk but because they the computer screwed it up, they saw that all everybody saw it and went, "Oh, that's kind of cool. Let's just keep it," <laughs> which is kind of funny. Um, but uh, I, okay. So my favorite species is uh, I would be hard pressed not to say Tuscan Raiders too. But just to throw out another one, um, it would be the species that the the aid to. Uh, Emperor Palpatine, or Senator Palpatine at this point in time, um, his aide. The dude with the giant blue head with the two spikes coming out of his head. He looks cool. I thought about him for a brief second. Yeah, he's cool. He's cool looking. I like that. I like that one. Special thanks to our other Story Geeks podcast hosts, Daryl Smith, and to Nathan Sheck, the co founder of the Reclamation Society and the editor of the Story Geeks podcast. Thanks to both of them for joining me on today's show. What do you think? Let us know. Write us an email at hi at reclamationsociety.org or check out our discussion board and community on IMSI.com. Our email and the link to the IMSI group are both in the show notes. Stay tuned because next week is part two of our discussion about Star Wars Episode II, Attack of the Clones. So go hit the subscribe button right now. You do not want to miss it. And if you have an extra minute, write us a review wherever you listen to this podcast. That's it for this show. As always, question everything in your favorite stories and always seek the truth.